Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome to Dear World Love Delilah, the quotable podcast with me, Darcy Lee, a moment meant to motivate, inspire, and empower. And I am super glad that you're here. So if you're joining me because you need the occasional reminder of your pure badassery or innate awesomeness, if you need help silencing that inner critic, getting through a tough day, want to be a part of a community of people who are dedicated to suiting up and showing up fully for their lives, or if you just want to be able to, at the end of it all, say, I did all I wanted to do with this life. I put it all on the table and I lived this life as fully, authentically, and courageously as I could, then welcome, because you, my friend, are in the right place. Every week, I will come here with something fun, fantastic, and authentic for you in all different ways. Some days, I'll bring you amazing people, some of whom you may have heard of because they are amazing out loud, and some of whom you need to hear of because their remarkable gifts are too good to be kept behind the curtain any longer. Other days, we may discuss an incredible book or share a beautiful idea that will help you truly live the life that you want to live. We will enjoy the fun things, tackle the difficult things, and together we will meet. We will dream, we will learn, and we will laugh. Together we will take this life by the horns and we will live it until the living is done. So my fellow rock stars, are you ready for an adventure? Here's to the journey. I am really excited. Let's do this. Dear world, I'm sending you so much warmth and light. Love, Delilah. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. Can't go wrong with some MLK. <laughs> I love this quote. I love so much of what he had to say. I don't necessarily love everything about how he lived, um, but his message and the movement and the change that it helped bring to our country, I love all of that and I'm grateful for it and I want more of it. He was no angel, <laughs> Dr. King. Uh, a lot came out about him and the way he lived after he died, primarily uh, infidelity, perhaps some alleged violence, uh, it's sad. I think that we've talked on this podcast before about how hurt people hurt people, right? And about how our ideal and our best are not always going to be the same. About how our fear or our forgetfulness with a capital F can create a shell of our true selves. How we can get lost in our humanness sometimes. Forgetting. Uh, forgetting that of which we are truly capable and I wonder sometimes how often MLK forgot who he was or who he could be. I wonder, with everything he did, how often the pressure of moving a nation, uh, the fear that he might fail, or the fear that he could succeed, I wonder how often that got in the way of him being his best self. He is a hero of mine. When I first heard that he was not quite the man I thought he was, I was a little disappointed, <laughs> I was, um, but it did not for a moment make him not one of my heroes. It didn't, not even for a second. I couldn't articulate why for a very, very long time, but I would have discussion after discussion with others who uh, often in, in, in an attempt, who 
often in an attempt to discredit him would say, but what about his infidelity? And what about that plagiarism? Like he was a liar, he was a hypocrite, right? And one day it occurred to me, like, so am I, so are you. Um, it is just humanness, it's just imper- imperfection. And that's not, you know, recognizing our imperfections, recognizing where we fall short, that's not an attempt to justify behavior. It's just an attempt to like settle a little bit in reality. You know, instead of focusing so much on the shoulds and should be's, like those are imaginary. The reality is what is and what is not. You know, and the only differences, the only differences between him and me are well, one, what he accomplished in his lifetime, huge difference. The man was a rock star. Two, the courage that he must have had to muster day to day in order to accomplish what he accomplished in his lifetime. Uh, three, the level of racism he had to face every single moment of his short, powerful life up to the day he died. I mean, I've experienced racism. Um, I've been called... <laughs> some very inappropriate names surrounding my race. Um, But I can't even imagine the level at which he had to deal with that. And I mean, all of all the people in color, of color in that time, um, what they had to deal with, you know. Uh, Other differences, four, the amount of eyes that he had on him, the amount of hearts he held. and maybe a fifth difference, uh, my expectations. Because when someone we meet is not who we thought they were, when our heroes disappoint, we have to ask ourselves, what part did our expectations play in that? What part did we play in that? Like, did that person ever really try to convince us that they are who we thought they are, uh, or that they were who we thought they were? Is it their job to live up to who we think they are? And then, like, when do we come? When do we become responsible for our expectations of others, and then our own feelings surrounding those people not meeting our expectations? Right? I used to hear all the time in the beginning of my recovery that the depth of our resentment or resentments is directly proportional to the level of my expectations. Mm. The depth of our resentments is directly proportionate to the level of our expectations. Ooh. The depth of our resentments is directly proportionate to the level of our expectations. Mm. I hear another episode in the works. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe King was not an angel. Right? Maybe he was broken in the way that the rest of us are, in the way that we break a little bit as spiritual beings being crammed into this very rigid, very human vessel. He had his cracks. We all do. I don't remember him trying to convince the world that he didn't. I don't know of any of his talks or writings in which he used his words to talk about how great and perfect he was. As a matter of fact, I think I remember him trying to remind anyone who would listen of our greatness, that we are amazing and worthy. 
He used his words to convince the oppressed, the tired, the weary that they are strong and that the little bit of fight they had in them, whether they knew it or not, was just the perfect amount of fight needed and that it would make a difference. He helped show oppressors that while we can't control others, we can sure make it a lot harder to be controlled and that we are up for a fight. And he convinced hundreds of thousands of those in between, those who thought they were simply standing on neutral ground, that there is no neutral ground, that we have to stand for something. And he did all of that while being a perfectly imperfect human. Who am I to expect him to have been more? Anyway, so one reason that he's one of my heroes, one reason that I love his quotes, beside him having such a beautiful moving way with words, or (laughs) I guess if the plagiarism claims are true, maybe he had an amazing ear and appreciation for the power and beauty of the words of others. (laughs) But one reason that I loved his quotes is because they moved a nation while coming from an imperfect man. He is proof that we don't have to be perfect to be great and that life doesn't have to be perfect to be amazing. A second reason he's one of my heroes and a second reason that I love his quotes is that they were spoken to a nation but could very easily have been written for an individual. I don't mean that in the sense that nations are made of individuals, which is very real and very true, and we actually may kind of touch on that, but I mean it in the sense that so much of what he said could pertain to how we treat one another and to how we treat ourselves. What is going on in the world and what is going on within? And that is why I even chose this quote for today's episode, because we forget sometimes that What is going on in this world is a reflection of what goes on within. What is going on in your communities is a reflection of what is going on within, right? Like what is going on inside of a family unit is a reflection of what is going on within. So is this quote, can it be used to talk about the difficulties and violence and injustices and the civil war our country is fighting and has been fighting for centuries all the while pretending it's not happening? Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) It definitely could. Could it serve as a jumping point for a commentary on why I struggle with organized religion? Sure could. Don't worry, we're not going there today. (laughs) Uh, Could this be a commentary on shortcomings on our ever-increasing military budget? You know, yeah, I would say so. Um, It could absolutely be a message from him to me about how I treat you and how you treat me. And that is most often how this quote is used or referred to, right? That's the, that's the point from which most use this quote to inspire others. But the other day I was looking at it. It was written down on my day job desk and the thought occurred to me, why do we try to make ourselves better by berating ourselves? Why do we try to get skinnier by shaming ourselves for our weight? Why do we try to use self-loathing to improve self-confidence? And then I remembered this meme that I saw one day. I don't remember where or when, it was probably on Facebook, but it hit me like a ton of bricks. And it made me laugh, but it was that whole, it's funny because it's real, (laughs) you know? Like, it's funny because it's true. Uh, And the meme was, 
I don't even remember. It was, I think, one of those old-fashioned women kind of cartooned onto a solid square of color. Um, But what the wording said was, if beating ourselves up worked, we'd all be skinny and rich by now. What? (laughs) If beating ourselves up worked, we'd all be skinny and rich right now. What the hell? Like, how did I miss that? How have I missed that all of these years? Right? I mean, boom. Just like burning crosses on the lawn of those who burn crosses on mine won't help us find common ground, hating my body won't give me a body I hope to love. Just like telling someone they're a loser and suck at life won't help them to find joy and fulfillment, berating myself for my flaws won't help me accept them or help me embrace my gifts or talents or strengths, right? Hurting myself won't help me heal. Belittling myself won't help me grow. Speaking negatively about my life will not help me find the positive in it. Dwelling on those times I have failed will not help me succeed. And scolding myself for feeling afraid will not make me courageous. Love. (laughs) love people. I have a feeling we'll come back to this a lot in this podcast. I do. Because love, as cheesy and as cliche as it may sound, love really is the answer to all of it, to everything, to all of our hurt and our fears and our frustration, to who we are and to where we come from and where we're going, right? And what the journey looks like along the way. Love is at the core of our best days, and it is on the sidelines waiting to be a part of our worst. It is never gone. It is never hiding. It simply waits. It waits to be invited in, uh, accepted, embraced, remembered, remembered with a capital R, right? And the thing is, deep down, we actually know that, right? We know it. We pretend not to know it sometimes. We pretend not to know, not to understand. Um, Or again, we call it cliche or unrealistic. We laugh at those who are in love and we pity those who aren't. And we attribute successful adults to their loving families. You know, we attribute having relationships, romantic or otherwise. We attribute that to certain levels of lovableness. We know it because of just about every book ever written and every song ever sung. Um, They all have something to do with love. Its story could be alluding to finding love or losing love or searching for love. Uh, Even blood and gore horror movies have love in there somewhere, right? Or sort of the misguided version of, of love that we often cling to as humans, right? But love, like the love that we knew as spiritual beings before being crammed into these human bodies, that love is really the answer. And the version of it that we can find while living in these human vessels, that version of it is the answer. It is the cure. It is the light that shines through our cracks. Or even better, it's the gold that fills them. We know it, we do, and yet we deprive ourselves 
of the love from the person that has the biggest impact on our lives, on our journey. We hold out on the one that needs our love the most. And I think you know who I'm talking about. (laughs) Us, right? Ourselves. We hold out on ourselves. We neglect ourselves. We deprive ourselves. We withhold love from ourselves. And then we wonder why we struggle. We wonder why we can't drive the darkness out, why we can't win against the hatred. We wonder why the berating doesn't work, right? Why the neglect doesn't work, why the shame doesn't work. If it is not love, it is not going to work. Not really, not truly, you know, not deeply or genuinely. The other day, I had a lunch meeting with Dr. David Banks. Uh, Dr. Banks is the super cool guy that you met in my last episode, or maybe in the next episode. Um, I'm not sure yet. (laughs) I'm not sure what order these are going to be in. But Dr. Banks and I met at a health conference for helping professionals here in Chattanooga. Uh, And when I say helping professionals, it was a conference for professionals in the helping field. Um, but it was also helping those helping professionals uh, grow and improve and learn so that we can all be better at our jobs. Um, I had a booth at the conference, but when all the attendees go into their respective seminars, oftentimes the organizers allow vendors to do the seminars as well, to sit in on them, to participate, um, and to get all of their yummy goodness. So his was the first that I had snuck into that day. Uh, I was a late ri- I was late arriving to it. So I stood at the back of the room and I didn't even bring in a notebook or a pen to write things down because I wasn't sure what his talk was about or whether or not I'd even stay. So uh, he started to talk and then immediately I pulled out my phone and resorted to taking notes on my phone the whole time worried that he would think I was playing on it instead of listening intently, actually enthralled by what he was saying. Uh, because I was, and I I just couldn't type fast enough with my thumbs. Um, So at that time, I didn't know him well. That was my first run-in with him that day at the conference. But immediately, while he was talking, I just, this feeling of respect and admiration um, started to kind of well up. You know, there was something awesome about his stature and his presence, but then also about the, the amazing information that he was offering. Um, if y'all listened or listened to his interview, (laughs) then you'll understand what I'm talking about. His talk was uplifting and it was empowering and it was motivating. Um, everything I need, you know, and everything that I want to be able to give to others. So upon the conclusion of his talk, I asked if he would be interested in being a guest on the podcast. And he said yes, like without hesitation. And he gave me his business card and he wrote his number down on it. Um, And then about two weeks later, I did wait a little bit, uh, I texted him to follow up about the interview. And he texted me back and said he was still interested. Let's talk later. And then I decided, you know what, let's see if he's willing to sit down for lunch. Um, And he said, yeah. (laughs) When he agreed, I was actually really surprised. Like, you know, it's not, I mean, this is not a celebrity we're talking about, right? But you know, I think we forget sometimes that like celebrities are not the only badasses. <laughs> like we walk around this earth with everyday badasses all the time, you know? 
Um, and this man, like he's intelligent and compassionate and he's both confident and humble, which is a combination that I just really admire and, and strive to be able to kind of master. Um, and he has a service, a servant's heart with an entrepreneur's mind. And those are things that I can relate to and things that excite me. Um, and I wanted to be able to talk to him about my business, you know, perhaps even a mentoring relationship. Uh, his skills and expertise, they stay in high demand. As a matter of fact, as I record this, he was supposed to be here today and then realized he double booked and that he had to do a training uh, elsewhere at the same time. So, you know, he's, he's someone who other people are constantly trying to kind of spend time with and, and learn from. Um, so when we met for lunch, I thanked him for taking time out of his busy schedule to meet with me. Uh, I mean, that's a common expression of gratitude, right? Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, you know. Uh, but his response was not common. It was not typical. His response was this. He said, stop right there and write this down, right? So I grabbed my pink pen and my notebook and I feel... <laughs> I realize sometimes like when I'm with people that I admire or respect, I go right back to feeling like this little girl. <laughs> I'm sure the the pink pen, you know, <laughs> doesn't help. But I just felt like this little girl like, okay, you know, eager and ready to take notes. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to paraphrase uh, even maybe flesh it out some. So these are not his exact words, but you'll kind of get the idea. Uh, he did say he said, first thing to be aware of will be the words that you use. Busy, the word busy, means that we have a lot to do. And successful people are not busy. Successful people are productive. Yeah. <laughs> so he said the difference is the thought that the word creates and then the message that the thought sends to the brain. And then the message that the brain sends to the central nervous system. So when we say we're busy, when we imply that there is so, so much to do, oftentimes more to do than time to do it, and when we use the word regularly, no matter how much we get done, we still always have a lot to do. We're always busy. Right? And our whole body is going to respond to the stress signal that this sends through our brain, through our central nervous system, and then to our body. And our body will react by becoming tired. So he pointed out to me, have you ever had like a really, really busy day? You know, have you ever just felt tired um, at the end of the day, exhausted? Uh, but then also felt like you had accomplished nothing. It's the end of the day, you're exhausted and still stressed because you still have just as many things on your to-do list as you did when you started the day because that is the message you sent to your central nervous system through your words and then through your thoughts. Boom. <laughs> Boom. So he continues. He said, however... When we're productive, what does that mean? When we use that word, the thought that accompanies it is that we are accomplishing things, producing things, getting things done. We are succeeding. So the message it sends is almost the opposite message of busy. This means that the body's response 
is going to be the opposite as well. Instead of feeling drained by the, to, by the potential of the to-do list, our body is revitalized by the sense of accomplishment. The body is like, you're getting stuff done, girl. Here, here's some more energy. Rock it, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, Dr. Banks didn't say that really at all. That was me. But you know what I'm saying, right? Our body is responding with like, go get it. Um, so all of this is a very roundabout way to get back to that quote, but it's all relevant. Words, thoughts, feelings, actions, the brain, the body, it's all connected. Connectedness, connectedness. Our thoughts affect our feelings and our body. Our body affects our feelings and our thoughts, right? So like, If my feet hurt from being on them all day long, is that going to affect my mood? Yeah, it is, right? So our thoughts affect our feelings in our body. Our body affects our feelings and our thoughts. So if we combat dark thoughts with more dark thoughts, then we are filling our body and our brain with darkness. If we're combating hateful thoughts or ideas or people with more hateful thoughts or ideas or interactions, then we're filling our world with hatred. It is so strange to me that love is our natural state, yet loving ourselves feels so counterintuitive. Again, I blame forgetfulness. The forgetfulness with a capital F, right? Which often resembles fear and unworthiness. And then there are the stories, so many stories that we have come to live out. Stories others have told us that we then adopted or believed, whether they were true or not. Stories that we've told ourselves based on our own ideas, beliefs, or, or translations of the behaviors of others. Forgetting that their behaviors were not a reflection of who we were, but of them and of their beliefs and of their cracks. Their behaviors are a reflection of who they are. So, okay, like, what does it all mean? Does it mean that we ignore the negative, you know, ignore the pain that is living manifest in both our society and in each of us as individuals? You know, are we just to pretend it's not happening? Like, of course not, right? Of course not. We're not pretending that the darkness does not exist, that hate does not exist, that we should look past it you know, in the sense of being blind to it. No, I think that we are actually called to the contrary. We acknowledge it. We have to acknowledge it. Here's the thing I think. It's it's okay to see the injustices in the world, the wrongs, the depravity, just as it's okay to see our flaws and our shortcomings, right? It's not only okay, it's necessary. And it's okay to see the flaws in our societies, in our communities, in the governance of our country. It's okay to see the injustices in our laws because there is injustice. There is. And not only is it okay to see it, it is necessary. Okay? I don't know if you're familiar with 12-step programs, but the first step is like acknowledging that there's a problem Right? We cannot solve something if we don't acknowledge that it needs solving, right? We can't improve upon something if we're constantly saying that it's perfect, right? Um, 
there are wrongs that need to be righted. There are laws that need to be rewritten or discarded altogether. There are traditions that are probably no longer serving our current communities, right? It's just true. It's just true. And it needs to be addressed. And then on a personal level, it's also okay not to be perfectly satisfied with your body. It's okay to say, this is not my best body. This is not the body that I want to represent me, right? I want to be better in my body. I want to be stronger, more fit, able to shop for cuter clothes that are often found in smaller sizes, right? There's nothing wrong with that, with those thoughts and those feelings. They are necessary. The desire to improve upon who we are is a necessary desire. It's called drive. It's called motivation. Like, what are we here for if it's not to, like, improve kind of who we are and, and, and dream about where we're going and then, and then take the steps to get there, right? Um, or, you know, okay, so that was about body. What about, I don't love my job. I want to be doing something else. You know, it's okay to acknowledge that. Like, I'm not happy in this relationship. What can we do to improve it? Or do I need to be in it? You know, we, it's, it's good to acknowledge those things. Um, basically, it's like, the question is, what is your end goal? And then is your thinking, what you're focused on, is that helping you reach that goal? Or is it getting in the way of it? Wow. It took me a really, really long time to get there. (laughs) I get distracted with thoughts and tangents. I know. Um, But I knew there was a tie to MLK's sentiment and to what Dr. Banks said to me about busy versus productive, about our thoughts and our feelings and how they tie to the body, about the messages we send with words and then how we respond to them. Uh, Acknowledge our weaknesses. Celebrate our strengths. Right? I think of how long I have lived the opposite of that. So it's like acknowledge the darkness and shine some light, right? Like acknowledge the hatred and show some love. How long have I lived the opposite of that? I think about how often in my life acting in turn has been my default setting. How When someone has hurt me, my automatic response is to think about ways in which I can hurt them back. I may not follow through. I'm usually able to process it before that, but my default, my automatic thought goes there. Or how when someone points out my part in a problem, I want to point out theirs. (laughs) You know, or when someone points out an imperfection in me, I want to point out an imperfection in them. Or like if I feel abandoned, I want them to feel abandoned. So even if they come back, it's like I only let them back in so that I can then abandon them, (laughs) you know? Or maybe even act indifferently so to protect myself and hurt them by pretending that they didn't even matter, right? That's like a default thought for me. Um, I think often of my imperfections, my flaws, the things that I don't like about myself, my personality, uh, my life. I spoke in a recent episode about not caring what people think about me. Uh, And I mean that, like I stand by that to an extent. But that doesn't mean I don't think about it. It doesn't mean that it's not an ongoing process to like get to that place or remain in that place or like return to that place, right? And it doesn't mean that there aren't conditions or exceptions. I do. 
I think sometimes about how, the, how others perceive my flaws and my shortcomings. And then I think about theirs and I think, well, they're no angel either. You know, they're not perfect either. Uh, who does she think she is? How could she not see how, how she hurt me, right? Or how he hurt me? How dare they? <laughs> and then I'll catch it and I'll see it and I'll enter this negative spiral of frustration and hurt. Um, of anger and confrontation, and sometimes no one even has to be around for it to happen. (laughs) If you've listened to other episodes, you know that I talk and argue with people who are not there. Whatever. I know it too. There's no shame in my game. Um, But what is really interesting about it is how when I focus on a situation in which I feel right or justified, in my hurt or frustration, I spiral into this abyss of cynical frustration. Like it sticks to the inside of my mind and it festers. And until I can at some point like say it out loud to someone and then we talk and I realize somehow in some way how much of that spiral was me creating my own momentum, how much of that spiral was about me assuming the worst of someone else's words or actions or intentions, How much of that spiral was about the story I was telling myself with a focus on the darkness, right? With a focus on the darkness. Because that is what we're doing, right? In a sense. When we're assuming the worst of someone's words or actions, we're focusing on the darkness. And then it seems like what is needed is to return the darkness. It's almost like, we think that in order to get rid of it, we've got to give it to somebody, right? I think that sometimes I think I'm just giving it back, their darkness, you know? I'm just handing it back because it doesn't belong to me. But when I get honest, even if that's partly true, what is also true is that I'm trying to slip some of my own darkness in there too because I think it's only fair. Um, and yet neither are necessary. Uh, but what do I want? You know, what do I want? If I looked at it from a cultural perspective, from the perspective of the inside looking out, do I want to spend my days combating hurt with hurt, deflecting a lie with a lie, or trading insults or kicks in the shin, right? What do I want for myself and for this world? There is definitely part of me that says, yeah, hit them back. (laughs) And in all honesty, perhaps there are times that's totally necessary. Um, But I'm not going to try to get into those times now because, yeah, that could could go some places. (laughs) But how about the perspective of the inside looking in? Do you ever feel betrayed by yourself, by your body or your thoughts, by your imperfections or your flaws? Do you ever feel betrayed by yourself? I know I do. It just occurred to me that this is perhaps why I combat my imperfections with criticisms, my shortcomings with berating or beratement. Is beratement a word? Berating. With the act of berating. (laughs) Because we feel hurt by those things in us that are not as we think they should be or as we want them to be. And just as we often want to lash out at those people who hurt us, hurt them for hurting us, it seems we do it to ourselves too. Dear self, you're fat. How could you? Dear self, you're obviously not as smart as you think you are. How dare you? 
to yourself, why is that person so much more successful than you are? Why won't you? Dear self, why do you even try? I was writing the other day and I spent page upon page thinking uh, all of this out. Almost 14 pages handwritten fleshing out why this quote by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. really affected me so much, why it spoke to me so loudly. And I realized it's because while he was talking about what a transformational time it was in our society, a, devi a divisive time, a time that needed to change as far as our culture and our society was concerned, it also spoke to our personal struggles, our inner transformations and divisiveness, and those things that we want to think need to be changed about ourselves. To me, it spoke as a commentary to the way I have approached myself in the past, the way I see others approach themselves too. And I knew I had to come here with it, to you. Come here to you and remind you that we cannot combat self-hatred with self-criticism. We cannot talk down to ourselves to build ourselves up. We cannot beat ourselves up in an effort to heal, you know, break a bone to heal our heart. It doesn't work that way. No, the way it works or the way it seems to work actually seems counterintuitive, which is a sad thing in of itself and as much a reflection of our forgetting with a capital F as anything I've ever seen. But the way it works is with love. All right, I'm about to break into song. All you need is love. <laughs> uh, yeah, it will just not work outside of love. I just wonder how long it will take us to see that, both as a nation and as individuals. You know, how long will it take us to see that? How long will it take me to see that if I want to be my best self, I need to celebrate my strengths because those are gonna be part of what gets me there, right? Beating myself up for my weaknesses are not gonna get me there. And how long will it take me to see that? How long will it take you to see that, you know? And then when we do, will we have the courage to spread the word? Hmm. I think that we will, like I think that we can. And I think sometimes for somebody, right now is when it starts. So maybe you can help me spread the word. Maybe you can make an effort today to do something loving for yourself, kind for yourself. Maybe you could celebrate a strength, a talent, a gift, and then maybe you can spread the word by telling someone else how you did it, or even by celebrating someone else's strength or talent or gift. Because people, we are it, right? We are it. We are the ones that have to create the world that we want to see. It starts with us and it ends with us, which is pretty big pretty big. So yeah, maybe today you will help me start to spread the word. Hmm. 
All right, friends, here is where we will end this episode of Dear World, Love, Delilah. Thank you so, so much for being here. I will say it today and I will say it every single episode. You are the reason I do this and you are the reason that I get to do this. I'm having so much fun here and I'm really, really grateful to be able to spend this time with you. Seriously, thank you for this and for all the love that you give me between episodes each week, the emails, the Facebook messages, the love that you give me on social media and the reviews you leave on iTunes. You guys are rock stars and I'm just super fortunate that I get to be in the band. So with that, if you liked this episode, if you feel like it had bits of juicy, yummy goodness that can help someone you know, someone you care about, then I hope you'll take a moment and share it. Share it on Facebook or on Instagram, tell a friend, and then maybe take another moment to leave a review on iTunes. These little actions make a huge difference for me and my team. Sharing is caring <laughs> and every little bit helps. Also, if you haven't gotten your hands on my free 10-page e-guide to taking small steps to making big changes in your life, and you want that e-guide, of course you want it, it's free and it's awesome, just go to darcylee.com and get it there. I wrote it for those of you who, like me, know in your heart of hearts that there is more for you, that you want to do more, that you are capable of more. And while the idea of more or better is exciting, the idea of where to begin can be overwhelming. I get it. So the e-guide is just about starting with some small steps, which will yield some really big results. I hope it helps. And if it does, if you read it and like it, then maybe you'll send a friend or loved one to my site, DarcyLee.com, so that they can get their hands on it too. Oh, and a little something extra. One of my other little side passions is all things paper all the paper and hot glue and fabric and buttons. But mostly and most passionately, I create paper flowers. Uh, and I've created a page where we can all play with some of that stuff together. So if you wanna check any of that out, you can go to facebook.com slash all the whimsy, that's W-H-I-M-S-Y. And if you're interested in an online book club, then you can go to my other page, uh, which is at DearDelilahXO on Facebook, uh, or you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash read, share, slay book club, and you can join us there. We would love to have you. All right, so before signing off, I want to give a special thanks to my badass executive producer, Wayne Renbure, without whom I'd be lost, and also to my dad, who just joined my team. And of course, I want to thank you one more time for being here. I truly hope you got something you needed, and I can't wait to be here with you again next week. So with that, dear world, I'm sending you so many hugs and kisses. Love, Delilah.